Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. Uh, honestly, it's just, it's, it's shocking in general what some people will post. Welcome to Needlestack, the podcast for professional online research. I'm Jeff Phillips, your host. And I'm Aubrey Byron, a producer and co-host. Today, we're going to be discussing social media intelligence, otherwise known as SOCMENT. And joining us today is Ritu Gill, better known as OSINT Techniques on Twitter, and a law enforcement professional with over 16 years of experience. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super happy to do this. And uh, yeah, thanks again for reaching out. I appreciate that. Well, Ridu, you have a lot of experience specifically with Canadian law enforcement. Um, but but how did you start using OSINT and what drew you into uh, into the field? So I started using OSINT way, way back when, but really my my law enforcement experience started after I finished my bachelor's degree in criminology um, in 2007. And uh, from there, I ended up working for the local police department um, based in uh, Metro Vancouver, uh, where I reside. Um, pretty much, really, it was a series of steps that got me to where I am today. Um, I do have a lot of people asking, like, hey, how did you get into OSINT? It was, you know, I started from the ground up. I always say that. I feel like it's kind of repetitive, but it's the truth. Uh, I started from the ground up. You know, I worked in a lot of administrative roles um, with the police at first, and I eventually got into a research role uh, as a researcher. And then I got experience, um, you know, doing that for a while. Uh, and that's when I came across open source intelligence. And I was kind of like, oh, what's this? I didn't know this was like, a field of work. I didn't know that people could actually have a job doing this, um, which took me to becoming an analyst eventually as well. Um, but yeah, definitely being in a researcher role. And I think it was kind of like, was it just luck? I came across open source intelligence, how other analysts were using it. And then I started learning more about it. And really, I mean, I feel like that's how it just kept uh, building, kind of building blocks to get me where I am today. You know, that's a seems like sometimes a recurring theme in our in our show that um, there's so many roles that are out there that are potentially even doing OSINT. They may not know it um, or at least doing aspects of it, maybe not um, following all the OPSEC and InfoSec types of things they need to do. But they're they're out there doing investigations and research online, dealing with open source and to discover there's a professional area to get better at called OSINT is super interesting. Yeah, for sure. I you recently gave a presentation on lesser-known platforms for SOCMIT at OsmosisCon. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the up and coming platforms that you have your eye on? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I did present Osmosis Con. Um, it was really great. It was in New Orleans uh, this year. And um, yeah, it was a great audience. And the reason I chose the topic, and I'll cover that even though you didn't ask, um, uh, I will uh, talk about that. It was just because you see so many open source topics about, you know, the common platforms, which are really necessary to know about as well. Um, but I thought for more experienced people, they might want to see something totally different and more like niche. Um, so I cover things like, and you know, lesser known platforms, it could mean different things to different people. But for me, it was things that I maybe didn't hear about a few years back. Um, one I'll mention is something like Visco. And a lot of people have had that so many times. People are like, what's Visco? Um, so again, it's a social media platform. Um, that's one that I feel like I came across it a number of years ago, but I, I saw that people were posting their Visco links in their Instagram bios. And that's how I came across it. And so I clicked on it and it took me to this other platform through a series of uh, steps and research, um, I guess, uh, research steps was, you know, I discovered that, hey, there's no privacy settings on Visco. Like you can't, as a user, privatize your account. So that's like a lot of information. Um, so one thing I'll mention is there are a lot of regular social media users like uh, posting on Visco. But what I started noticing was that there were some users or many users, maybe, um, I don't know the percentage, but they appeared to look like they were part of local gangs based in maybe Vancouver. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And, you know, they look like kind of like dial doping kind of operations because of the photos they would post. Um, bundles of cash, um, weapons, drugs, like that, that's pretty much the, what the whole account would be. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. And the other interesting thing was if you found that person on Instagram and they had a Visco link, they would sometimes privatize their Instagram, but then their Visco link, cause they don't have an option, it would be completely open. So I don't know if that was intentional or if there was like, uh, any awareness around that. Um, but that was obviously really helpful and kind of like a goldmine of information. And like Visco is one platform, but other things I mentioned to people, I, I talk about this one, which is kind of old school, but it's also lesser known because some OSINT people aren't using it. Things like Skype. Um, when you download Skype, you know, you create an account, uh, you can search the platform for a phone number, a name, an email address, a username. And you can get a lot of information there. Um, it's one of those sites that I use pretty much every day if I'm doing OSINT work um, because it does provide a lot. You can see a profile photo if somebody has one. Um, other details in that account could be sometimes uh, maybe the date of birth uh, of that individual. It's listed in that profile. Um, and if you are somebody who works for the government law enforcement and you have access to like closed databases, well, you can cross-reference some of that information to confirm, is it the right, uh, you know, DOB, uh, date of birth, right? Uh, that kind of stuff. Well, you talked about finding like information that which is super interesting, date of birth and and profile photos and, and emails, and I'm sure um, Telegram accounts, um, any... What's the most surprising evidence you've you've found on social media? Uh, honestly, it's just 
it's it's shocking in general what some people will post. Um, an example that comes to mind when you say that is, you know, if there's mm-hmm. people or you know individuals or groups trying to say overthrow the government, um, we've seen that in you know certain like events in the last few years. Um, you know whether you know I, I think of like the freedom convoys that we had across Canada. Um, you know, people what they were posting in their live video streams. Because I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like shocked because some of the things that are happening in these videos, also shocked because I'm like, it's something that if it's an open source, anybody can go download it. And now, you know, if, if it's going to be something uh, where people are being charged a year later, well, now there's all this evidence of you doing what you maybe didn't want out there initially. Um, another example is like, I mean, we've had a couple of riots in Vancouver in the past, mm-hmm. Uh some of them related to like hockey, uh, the Stanley Cup riots and stuff like that. Um, I think of, again, like the amount of people that were charged uh, in those um, instances, uh, you know, for whether they're, you know, lighting police cars on fire mm-hmm. to uh, looting some of the local stores downtown. Um, there was not only footage of them doing it but there was people with their cameras and you know things ended up on social media even though it wasn't used as much back then but um again so that kind of stuff always shocks me that i'm like hey when you do stuff and you post it it's kind of like it might be there forever right and you don't know who has who has a kind of a snippet of what you did (laughs) well i'm a parent of two teenagers and so i mean we talk about social media use all the time and that's I mean, it's interesting. So I'm telling them not to post things that's going to live forever, right? You have to go get a job someday and whatnot. But on the flip side, you don't know who's recording you. And then you're finding that on social media in the case of riots and whatnot. And maybe people are identifying you. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I even think of when I think of like teenagers or people that haven't figured out what they want to do yet, but they're going to be eventually, you know, looking for jobs or a career. Um, I, I believe a lot of people are like HR you know, uh, our human resources people are looking up people with, before they get hired, right? So, you know, what you do online says something about you. It paints a picture of who you are. So, again, being careful. And yes, a lot of young people use things like Snapchat. And they're like, oh, yeah, but it's gone after 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know who took a screenshot. And, mm-hmm. and you know, yes, you might be friends with 200 people, but are they really all your friends? Like, you gotta, you got to be a little just uh, careful, I think. There are so many new platforms coming out all the time this year in particular, it seems like. Um, What advice do you have for trying to keep up or just practitioners who are struggling with what to prioritize? Yeah, so that's one of the things like with OSINT, it is ever evolving. It's um, it is hard to keep up. Like it, a lot of people have asked like, hey, is open source a full time job? I'm like, oh, 100% because they're like, hey, can I just do it on off the side of my desk? I'm like, you can, but you might miss a lot of information. Um, it can be one of those things where you do it off the side of, off of, the side of your desk, but I, I feel like there's so much to learn and there's so much to keep up with. Um, one of the things, again, like uh, there's different ways I will uh, try to stay up on, you know, what's new. Um, I'm quite engaged with the OSINT community online. You know, I I have some uh, really good OSINT friends who we communicate on a weekly basis, if not daily. Um, 
So I feel like I'm kind of surrounded and I surround myself in that because I want to be in the know. Um, so not only things like, yeah, you might, some people join OSINT Discord channels, but you know, I, I read the most recent OSINT books, uh, that kind of stuff, but also just getting online and whether there's a community on Twitter or on LinkedIn or other places now. So I, I will look at what are people posting, you know, what's out there and that will bring some of those platforms to light. You mentioned doing it off to the side and I guess it depends on which, what you're actually doing OSINT about. I mean, there's one thing to me to be a, um, uh, to be an enthusiast and to try to help out, let's say it's related to U- Russia, Ukraine, or what's going on um, in in Israel. But you know, if you're if it's part of your actual job, um, I'm curious because you work with law enforcement on collection methods. Um, can you talk a little bit about practicing good opsec, which you might not be doing if you were just doing it on the side, especially when it comes to social media intelligence collection? Yeah, for sure. So. Having good OPSEC, having good operational security is really important. Um, the reason is, one, we need good OPSEC. Uh, we're trying to protect ourselves, right? As if you're an online investigator, you don't want your name attached to certain things you might be doing, maybe certain accounts you're following and that kind of stuff. Um, my uh, two cents on that is, you know, have research accounts. So if you're conducting an investigation on whatever platform, pick one, um, even if it's like Instagram, Facebook, maybe it's TikTok. If you need a research account to access information, which you do in a lot of the social media platforms nowadays, um, like you can't get around it. So the the reason you want to have a research account, also known as a sock puppet, which a lot of O-centers refer to those as, um, it's to protect yourself, right? So you don't want to have the name maybe Ritu Gill on your account. Um, but you want to use something else, right? Something discreet, something where you blend into maybe your target group. Um, so it's kind of twofold, right? You want to have a research account or a sock puppet to access information. The other reason is to protect yourself. And also, if I'm going to throw in a third reason, it's to protect the integrity of an investigation. Um, again, do you want to be using your personal accounts um, if you work for the government or you work for law enforcement, would you want your personal devices and your personal social media accounts to get disclosed in court? I'm going to say probably not. Right. Um, so it's another incentive to create a research account, you know, um, and don't use your personal accounts for uh, investigative purposes. Now, I'm going to throw one thing in there on your retube because of... Um... We're not lawyers here on uh, on needle stack. You know, if your particular organization has a policy or not in terms of uh, if you can create such accounts and do that off of work machines, you might want to look at any of the uh, uh, internal policies you might have on sock puppets. Yeah, hundred percent. That's always a good caveat to have. Yeah. Um, I always remind people, like, yeah, definitely follow your uh, organization or your agency's rules, policies. That always. Um, supersedes anything we're saying. You know, one thing I have had people say to me is, oh, but, you know, I'm not just looking at, say, Facebook. They're like, oh, I'm not allowed to create social media accounts on Facebook. It says it's illegal. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. No, Facebook doesn't want you to create fake accounts. But unless you work for Facebook, you know, then it's a different story. But I'm like, I don't work for Facebook. Like, it's not illegal to create a fake account on Facebook. 
that's not what it says, right? Um, so it's like using some critical thinking also when we're looking at creating accounts and what that means for depending on who you are and what agency or organization you work for. Sure. And the default, if you can't do that, I mean, to me, and if your company's very strict about it, you know, I, I, you know, there's depending on what you're investigating, the fallback can't, sh- shouldn't be, well, then I'll just, I don't know, jump on my phone and use my personal account to go do that investigation for all the reasons you just said to protect yourself, then maybe you shouldn't be investigating that if you can't have such a research account. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, and one of the things I mentioned um, sometimes is especially to investigators who say like your typical, like a police officer. And I know not everybody is in that job, but I think it puts it in perspective. I'm like, okay, if I say to you, I'm like, Hey, would you conduct surveillance on a house using your personal vehicle? And they were like, no, obviously not. And I'm like, okay, well, when you look at your online activity, why would you use your personal accounts? Those are also right. linking back to you just like a car would link back to you. So why would you do that? And they're like, oh, okay, they kind of see it, right? Um, sometimes having examples, people will understand something be- right. better uh, just to be like, hey, this is why. Um, and I've also shown people a number of cases where people that do investigative work have been targeted by certain groups because, you know, they're like, hey, I use my own account and then now, you know, things are happening to them. You know, their houses are catching on fire. And that's actually real from in Metro Vancouver. We had an issue where, uh, again, some police officers' houses were uh, randomly catching on fire, but not so random. Um, Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it could be quite serious. Um, Obviously, like everybody's OPSEC will be also different. I'm not saying your OPSEC should be like mine or mine should be like yours. You kind of have to make your own assessment depending on who you are. Um, I just think one of the basics of having good OPSEC as an OSINT research is having a, a sock puppet account, having research accounts. Um, like I have many on different platforms for obvious reasons. And, you know, I use them according to kind of what the purpose is and if I need it, depending on what day it is or what I'm working on. Sure. So you've been practicing OSINT for many years and consulting on it and speaking about it, but this year you have an OSINT tool coming out of your own. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite exciting. It's uh, coming really soon. It's called Forensic OSINT, um, and it is essentially um, a screen capturing tool for OSINT investigators. Um, It's going to have some cool features, I think. So it's going to have things like seamless screen capture. It's going to have like downloading videos directly from platforms. Say like you're on a TikTok video, you can Mm -hmm. click a button and you hit download and it downloads on your system. Um, Some other things, it's going to have image capture. Um, It's also going to have one really big piece is, so a lot of OSINT people uh, may need to go to court for certain things they work on. Not everyone. But some people want it at that court standard where things are like it's collecting metadata and the files are hashed. Um, and, you know, these screen captures, it means that, you know, it, if it's changed or altered, you'll know. Um, so we also have provide file hashing and that kind mm. of stuff here. Um, and on top of all of those things, there's other uh, features that we have as well. One of the things is um, an OSINT knowledge base. So essentially, as you're conducting your OSINT research, this knowledge base will give you information about what social media site you're looking at. So Mm -hmm. it might pull some key, um, it might pull some 
key extractions, like things like user ID, just by a click of a button. Um, it might provide other things that will, you know, like tips and tricks on like how to save Facebook in the best way or how to save Instagram the best way. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about the tool. Pretty exciting time. Um, and that release is coming just in days. So we're, we're congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. Where you. can people follow along when it, as far as when it'll get released? Yeah. So, uh, right now, uh, if you sign up at www.forensicosit.com, uh, we have pretty much, we're going to be, we're doing early rollouts to like the first, I don't know, whatever number of, uh, subscribers. So if people go to forensicosit.com and you sign up into our mailing list right now, also one of the incentives is we're doing a daily draw, uh, for people to win like a free six month license to forensic OSINT because we want, we want people to test drive it and see like what they think. We want them to give us feedback. Hey, how can we make it better? Um, and one of the reasons we created this was because we see there's some gaps in mm -hmm. some of the tools out there currently maybe um, that don't do everything we want them to do. Because if you're looking at if somebody who actively works on OSINT investigations and I'm like, hey, this tool doesn't do what I want it to, but now we've built something that will kind of fill those gaps. That's the exciting part. So yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening right now. That is awesome. Congrats to you, congrats to you and uh, everyone that's involved. Um, Thanks. Thanks so much. We really appreciate all the time today. Um, my last, our, our last question for you, um, what kind of advice would you give to practitioners, particularly those that are, that are brand new to the field and, and just uh, starting to get involved in OSINT? Yeah. So I always tell, tell people that like, practice is so important mm. right um, a lot of people go online they read articles you can read books and i recommend both um, but definitely go apply what you're learning because if you're just reading you're i don't feel like you're getting the full experience of like hey using a tool yes i read about this tool maybe or a technique um, but maybe go apply that um, so that's what i would say especially i do get a lot of people asking about like hey how do i get into osit um I did write a blog post for SANS about how to get into OSINT, actually, um, just because I was getting so many emails about, hey, how do I get into this? And I'm like, well, here's a quick little article about, hey, maybe you want to get involved with the OSINT community. Here are a couple of communities online that you know are quite engaging. Um, other things, other places, like some people are doing weekly OSINT newsletters. That's great information that comes through each week. Uh, they've been doing it for a number of years. That's also another place you can go. So, um, yeah, definitely there's lots of different places. Um, and I could talk about getting into OSINT for a while, but that's kind of, uh, yeah, but those are some, that's a starting point. Well, that's awesome. Again, thank you so much, Ritu, for chatting with us today. No problem. Thanks so much for having me on this. This has been great. And it's great to meet both of you. Thank you. And thank you to our audience for listening. Uh, you can learn more about where to find Ritu and her work in our show notes. So please check those out. You can also view transcripts and other episode info on our website, authenticate.com slash needle stack. That's authentic with the number eight dot com slash needle stack. And be sure to let us know your thoughts on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can find us at needle stack pod and to like and subscribe wherever you're listening today. We'll see you next time on Needlestack. Stack.